What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, I had a live stream uh, with Control Pew. Control Pew is a prominent member of the 3D gun printing community. And I came across him on Twitter and noticed a lot of really interesting uh, videos in particular that he was sharing. And I'd heard about 3D printing, uh, 3D printed guns before, but I had never really uh, looked deeply into them. And I guess I was surprised at how uh, the tech had developed in over the last few years. Basically surprised at the, the kind of the quality and the build of the guns that were coming out. And uh, I think I'll save my stance on guns and kind of the philosophical, uh, the different philosophical angles uh, through which you can approach a perspective on guns uh, for the show because uh, Control and I do get into that. So I'll just say that regardless of what your opinions are on guns, this technology, this wave of technology is not stopping. So it's just something that we're going to have to contend with. We're going to have to contend with the fact that most people at some point in the future will have the capability to produce guns in their own home. And it seems very unlikely that that's going to be stopped. So the conversation, I think, is better placed in understanding these tools rather than um, just blanket condemnation or banning, because those solutions, even if you agree with them, uh, which I don't, but even if you do, are only temporary in a, a landscape in which 3D printers exist and that they can produce guns. So anyways... I had a ton of questions, like I said, have not really looked into this before, but extremely fascinating uh, topic to me, and obviously has a lot to do with individual sovereignty, independence, and freedom. So I thought that uh, you guys, you know, being Bitcoiners or people interested in Bitcoin uh, would enjoy this because these are themes that uh, are important to many of us. So anyways, really fun chat, um, really interesting topic, and I hope you enjoy. Let's do it. Uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, to join me on this discussion. I am extremely fascinated by uh, 3D printed guns and know very, very little. So I'm just going to let you know in advance to expect all the noob and basic questions. And <laughs> thankfully, I think a lot of people are probably on the same page because we've heard of these things, uh, but I, I doubt most people have any experience with them at all. And the second reason I wanted to have you on was, you know, guns are a very polarizing issue in uh, in society and culture today and you know I myself used to be very anti-gun and um, what I came to realize is that you know like any tool they can be used for good and bad purposes and if we are truly to be sovereign which I know a lot of people around the world but in this space that I operate in and the one in you which operate in and many others if the desire is to be sovereign and free then it's better to learn how to use tools responsibly and to teach, you know, children and people in society how to use tools responsibly than to ban them altogether and uh, put them only in the hands of a select group. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, very uh, hopeful that uh, this revolution uh, levels the playing field. But I just want to preface that, uh, make that kind of uh, preface statement because I, I know a lot of people will be, or are, are sensitive to this issue, but the the, the the underlying point is that this seems like an inevitable trend anyways. 
So whether you're for it or against it, I think even if you're against it, it's worthwhile to, to learn about it and understand what's going on. So long-winded way of saying thank you. And for those people <laughs> that are listening that are not uh, familiar with you, why don't you give us the brief introduction? Yeah, so I am Control Pew. I print guns and stuff. Uh, really, it, that on the on the surface, it's three D printing guns. You dig a little deeper, it becomes you know radical individualism, uh, individual sovereignty, individual rights, and really just the minimizing of uh, of of the appeal to government, which is you know please protect me from whatever the world. So it's it's about what you can do for yourself to better yourself make you less reliant on government, other people, um, and just help you be better, you know, as a unit, as, as, a, as the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you get your start in all this? What was uh, the impetus to, to put you on this trail? Um, I mean, we've been on this for, good Lord, almost 15, 20 years now. Uh, on 3D on guns or 3D printing? Guns? No, just the 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 getting started in 3D printing guns. Right. So uh, I guess once upon a time when I was a misguided youth, I, I paid really close attention to to, to the you know the, the the workings of Anonymous and that whole um, sort of alternative techno culture um, and, and hacktivism. And, and then I, you know, I saw the rise of 3D printers. I, wow, that's really cool. I can do a lot with that. And uh, then I saw Cody Wilson's turns to, uh, um, defense distributed video and with the Liberator back in 2013. I was like, holy shit, that's really cool. And, you know, that I, you know, what time moves on. I saw what, uh, what deterrence dispense was doing with the more open source um, uh, 3D printed uh, items. And... I thought, wow, we've we've come a long way from a shitty single shot pistol. Uh, this is something I can probably help with and, and and get involved with and help move forward. So yeah, here we are. And did you <laughs> did you have a an engineering technical background? Anything that was kind of primed you for doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I've always been a little bit of a of a tinker and fucker arounder. Um, I, I mess with stuff. I, I take stuff apart. Like you'll, you'll buy the, the DVD player from the store, and I take it apart when I was a kid. So I've always been uh, pretty willing to tear stuff apart and figure out how it works. Um, this is just the 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 fully fully adult extension of that. Um, now I do, now I do it with guns. And is this a, a full time thing for you, or is it a kind of between the hours of? five and midnight sort of thing or yeah it's definitely a five to midnight kind of, kind of thing um so my my real job is like uh, there i don't think there's enough um uh, enough of a market in this space yet to justify to be able to support anyone full-time um hopefully we're getting there yeah so i think the burning question that a lot of people have including myself is in an environment where, you know, in the U.S., it's probably the easiest place in the world to get a gun off the shelf. But in most other countries around the world, it's, you know, it's very hard and getting harder. And in an, env- an environment where, um, you know, gun control in many pe- people's minds is becoming increasingly oppressive. Uh, when do you, what's the state of 3D printing? And for, I guess, context for one, 3D milling or milling in general is also a part of this discussion. So we can... 
you can differentiate if you like and explain the difference, but wh what is the state of this technology right now? Like people want to know, when can I plug it in, up download the file and have something that's usable? Well, it's never going to be a single, I, I don't, well, I'm, I, I hesitate to say it's never, but it's, we're, we're not at a point where you can have a single shot, uh, just a, a print and done um, reliable firearm. So you could, like the Liberator, the only uh, um, non-printable part of the Liberator was the firing pin and, and the ammunition. But everything else in that was printable. You could pull it off the printer and it was done. There was a little bit of post-processing that needed to be done uh, in that. But generally speaking, off the printer, you have a firearm, um, a, a functional firearm. Um, today, we've got, you know, like... I pulled this out of the, the gun safe a minute wow. ago. This is the, the FGC-9, wow. uh, my, my pretty media <laughs> it version. It looks very slick. Yeah. So uh, this is not entirely 3D printed. All the housing and, and complicated components are 3D printed. Um, once you get inside, there's a bolt in here. And, a, 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 well, the bolt assembly is two 18-millimeter rods that run through the length of this. And then there's a bunch of springs and pins and other stuff in there too that's not printable. Um, so you get into stuff like that. None of that involved an actual firearm part off the shelf. So that was all common, commonly available materials and tools. Um, I think the hardest part of this to get, you see the fire control group in this one uh, is, is laid out pretty similar. I don't know if it'll focus here. Laid out pretty similar to an AR-15. This one has actual AR-15 parts in it. Uh, the variant that was published uses um, a fire control group from an airsoft gun. So, I, and you can order them, mail order from China to just about anywhere in the world. So, again, I mean, the, the it's not they're not firearm parts, and they're commonly available or not commonly available. You can get them in most of the world. So that, that's sort of where we're at for the, like the, the pinnacle of, you know, the not third world engineering, but, the, um, you know, the DIY printable sort of firearm. Um, improvements are being made, though. So there's a V2 coming out, uh, I want to say, later this year. Um, V3 and four of that are going to be even better. So constant development, constant improvement. And we're constantly refining uh, the, the various parts in it. I know there's another project for a 3D printable uh, fire control group that is compatible with this and any AR-15 on the market. So, like I said, we're, we're, we're constantly developing stuff. And so the one that you just showed, how many rounds would that be, uh, you know, would, could that fire before it kind of breaks down? Um, it really depends. Uh, there, so it, a lot of it is the variable of how well, how good of a craftsman you are. Um, excuse me. We've had so we'll we'll, we'll compare this to like the Glock frames that we've seen. We've seen some people who come in in a week with really crappy prints and they try and shoot it and it falls apart in, in inside of a magazine. We've had others who are you know sitting. From printers who are a little more experienced, who know what they're looking for in a good printer, consistent prints, uh, sitting in the probably over a thousand rounds by now, 
probably closer to two or three. Um, yeah, so they, they can last for a while. It, it really just depends on how you use it and how good your print is to begin with. Mm-hmm. And just <clears throat> kind of terminology-wise, when I was uh, doing some research for this discussion, and again, like total, I'm coming at from it from the point of view of a total noob, but I saw that like on a lot of websites, whether they be like, whether it's defense distributed or just purely information resources, you know, they talk about an 80% lower and kind of breaking the the guns down in, in these sort of classifications. Can you just touch on what those classifications are and what they mean? Yeah, it works a little better as a visual. So if you give me a quick second, I will uh, grab some and be right back. Okay. All right, so we, we're talking about firearms. We're talking about the 80% classification, which is uh, the sort of industry classification for what these are. Uh, as far what the ATF says they are is they're not firearms, right? So that's the, the critical part. So here are two AR lower receivers, right? This one is filled in on the top. It has no pins, no holes going through the side. This is not a firearm, right? It looks close. It is not, uh, you can't fit the fire components in there. It does, it will, if you put this on an AR upper, nothing happens. It doesn't shoot. So this is, uh, by, by legal definition, this is not a firearm. And you have this one here, which you can see the pinhole, there are, come on, focus. There, there we go. Pinholes through the side, the, the uh, fire control group well is all, um, Come on. <laughs> uh, it's all milled out. Um, you can clearly drop components in there. If you hook this, if you populate this, you hook it up to an upper, it will fire. Um, again, the difference between the two. So per law, this is a firearm. This is not. And I think the last time I looked at the regulation, the distinction was sort of any marking in this space at all. So if I put a scratch in here, the argument could be made by some DA who really wants me to go to jail that this is now a firearm. So that, that's, that's sort of the, the, that's, that's where we're at with those. <laughs> right. And so those are the, the primary component of making a gun and other parts can be more easily obtained. Is that the idea? Right. So I guess I'll just show this to you. It's a nice uh, paperweight you got there. Right. Well, now th- this one is actually a firearm. So we're talking about uh, we get into. It. Sorry, I'm trying not to hit the mic. So this part again is the firearm, the silver part here. Every other part of this is mail over mail order to your door. Really? Yep. Every like, other part. But only in the states, I'm assuming, right? Because oh uh, yeah, okay. Well, only in the U.S. Some of those look like legit gun parts, obviously. Right. Yeah. So when you're talking about like UK laws, uh, the barrel is a, a regulated component. The bolt is also a regulated component. Um, I struggle to think what else is too. Probably a lot of it in most parts of the world, I would imagine, right? Yeah. The, the most common, um, once you get out of the receiver, is going to be the barrel and bolt though. Right. So... 
full circle then back to this. Uh, we get around that. We have uh, we've developed the ECM process that lets you bore and rifle the barrel. So this barrel is not a fire is not a firearm component. It's I think 16 or 18 millimeter round stock with a hole bored through it, um, which we then use uh, electrochemical machining to bore to size for a nine millimeter and rifle. Mm-hmm. So I guess. And so the the lower the eighty percent lower is that why it gets it's uh, like in my research it I it, I came across it so often because that's the piece that's most heavily regulated and therefore you know the the most important to produce. Right. Yeah. Here here in the states, it's usually the part that holds all the fire comp- fire control components. Um, there's a law. I think it's the GCA that says it's the part that you, the barrel usually screws into. Uh, there's, a, 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 I think, a case that was dismissed about a guy who was selling AR-15s uh, whose argument was, well, the law says it's the part that the barrel screws into, and the barrel doesn't screw into this, so it's not a receiver anymore, and they dismissed the case. Anyway, right. sorry, ta- tangent. Um, no, no, that's good. I mean, I want to know <laughs> that. I'm sure everybody else does, too. Right. Not not legal advice, but <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. So eighty percent is uh, the the reason it's so common though is that this is where most people who are building firearms are starting from. They're going to pick up an eighty percent receiver. They're going to mill it out. They're going to install the rest of the parts. Right. Um, so so the process goes something like they can buy that uh, that receiver right there, right. yeah, and then they put it in their like a ghost gunner sort of thing. They, they ghost mill gunner, it out. CNC machine, uh, a three axis mill, whatever drill press and uh, a, an XY table will do it. And then you break, pull it out look something like this. And then you order the rest of the parts and you yep. just assemble effectively. Yep. So what's, you know, as far as, <clears throat> like I said before, the, in the U S it's pretty in most jurisdictions. Uh, and maybe this is actually changing, but in most, in, a, in many jurisdictions, it's, easy to get a gun are you are you interested in this to uh, like which which market are you trying to serve what's your kind of goal in doing this are you trying to advance this technology to the globe or to the states in which guns are hard to come by or i mean i think we're best served doing both so there's an idea here and this is this is really um a little bit of mine my my own like there, there's ten thousand of us. We all have a little bit different ideologies. So mine is a little more. You can't be an individual and have individual rights if you're still subject to a government that you that that is that doesn't trust you to 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 defend yourself. It's not. It doesn't quite uh, doesn't quite mesh there. So. You have to be able to. You you have to have the tools, the means to safeguard your own, you know, life, property, those around you. Um, and again, if if the government doesn't trust you to do that, why are they your government? So um, we're we're yeah again we're we're kind of how do I put this into words? <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's. I think we're we're serving very much both markets, um, and then the third market where co- where guns are still commonly available, we're we're the sort of the the safeguard against 
the 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 pending legislation that's you know ever that that's constantly reintroduced that's just you know copied and changed the number and resubmitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the, this I've been feeling this for a while, but the COVID uh, you know situation has really. Uh, I think caused a lot of people to rethink and maybe realize that, you know, and this might sound provocative to some, but I don't think we have rights. We have permissions and we've seen how easily those permissions can be revoked under the guise of public health. Maybe they're, they're well-intentioned, but you know, where, where we thought there were certain inalienable rights where they could not be infringed, well, if there's a good enough reason, it appears they can. And so, you know, I've come to think that, you know, the only rights you truly have kind of to the point that you were just saying is those which you can defend. Otherwise, yep. you're you're subject to uh, anyone who can overcome your your defenses of your own rights. And, you know, that's a pretty sobering realization in, uh, in, in our times that because uh, we I think we all grew up in an environment where we thought... Um, you know, rights were rights and those were our protections. And that's just the, the kind of foundation on which society was built. Uh, I, th- I think the sort of the original, um, the, the original sort of the, I, I want to say the original sin, but no, the original lie that we were all brought, sort of brought up into was, uh, you know, government is good and they're here to protect you. And mm-hmm. we look at the current state and time, they're really not. They're, they're doing just about everything they can to not. Um, and it's, and you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying the revelation that people are having. Oh my God, I need a gun. I had three or four coworkers from my, from my day job, uh, (laughs) you know, call me up and say, Hey, uh, what kind of gun do I buy? Anyone you can get right now. And you're kind of behind the curve. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, even, even if we, even if the government is not your enemy, I think so many people have abdicated their responsibility for their own defense and freedom and for their own preservation of their own freedom. And you just, it's just not even practical. You know, something pops off in your life and you're not able to defend yourself. I'm sorry, but someone's probably not going to be able to get there in time to, you know, to help you preserve what you believe are your rights, you know? So, and we've abdicated so much at this point, you know, whether it's defense, whether it's, healthcare, whether it's education, there's so many different ways in which we've just become so dependent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you, when you assess that, really, it's a, I think it's a, a real danger to liberty to, to any relationship of dependence is a danger to your own independence by definition, because, you know, you're depending on some other outside entity. But when it's so uh, pervasive and so almost total, then I, I think it's just asking for abuses of that uh, you know, relationship. And I think we're seeing that in many different manifestations around the world today. Yep. Say so I, uh, my favorite tactic with people is uh, when, when I'm sort of having this debate with them is thinking about medical services, right? I have more than a few friends who are mechanics who work under cars all day. Okay. What happens when your Jack fails and your car is, the car is now landing, has landed on your leg and sliced it off. Now you're alone in your shop. What are you doing? Well, I'm going to call an ambulance. Okay takes six minutes to bleed out through your through your femoral artery what do you do uh call an ambulance okay well they're there 10 minutes later what do you do uh so 
it's that sort of that's my favorite because it's it's you know people have this aversion to guns because we've all been told for our whole lives guns are bad right medical services are you know pretty benign so you know start with a start with that okay why do why don't you have a tourniquet you're working with heavy equipment lose a limb you need that stuff handy um you know and it, it sort of it starts to factor in that whole I am responsible for myself and my circumstance in its totality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've, I think we've moved so far away from that uh, as a civilization, basically where the government has become so large and has become so involved in so many different areas of our lives that we, we simply not only rely on it for so much, but we also look to it for, you know, anytime a problem arises for a solution. And, you know, governments are going to governments. It's only too willing to say, yeah, sure, you know, we'll, we'll try to fix that problem. We'll do this. And, and most people don't realize that in their attempts to fix it, again, altruistic as they may sometimes be, and I'm being mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty <laughs> kind here, um, they typically only make things worse because they're just going to take from one area and less efficiently allocate it to another area. And so you get this virtuous cycle where it gets bigger and bigger the problems get larger and larger. More and more people ask the government to solve ever larger problems for which it becomes ever bigger, which creates ever larger problems until it just doesn't work anymore. And I, I think we're beginning to see, uh, you know, cracks emerge in, in how that, that system is uh, kind of beginning to crumble under its own weight. Now, it may be able to persist for a while, you know, great, uh, a while longer, who knows, but you know, this, uh, the last few months have been very telling in, in many of these ways. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, God, it's certainly been concerning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say I, I'm, I'm glad that more people are starting to sort of see this, uh, you know, the, the flaw that is the, uh, please government help us. Um, you know, you really have to look to yourselves and your community to find answers to problems. The, these aren't, things that are going to be solved on a federal level or even kind of a state level. You talk about um, like inner city violence. That's not something a state can solve. You've got to solve that within the communities. And, you know, you talk about your, your Corona response. Everyone has to stay inside. Um, yeah. Hmm. There are so many problems here. Like the, uh, <laughs> do we want to get into this? It's, hey, man, go for it. Whatever you want to say, it's cool with me. The notion that a governor can say you're not allowed to leave your home is just about as un-American as I can imagine. And I, um, I, I'm trying to say this without sounding like I'm calling for violence. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently that's the thing. Uh these people should be removed from office. That, that's all. That's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I feel you, man. And I, I, I totally agree. And I, it's so surprising to me that so few other people are seeing it through that lens. You know, there's so much acquiescence, I guess is what I'm saying. There's so much just, uh, you know, the fear and hysteria that was created just, uh, gave carte blanche, I guess, uh, for, mm -hmm. for most people to uh, accept these sort of directives that um, in any 
yeah, I mean, it just seem totally outside the confines of the authority that we we you know supposedly uh, allow for in society. But right. uh, here we are. Yeah, we we've had we've certainly had a shift where it's not we the people allow the government to 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 do things. It's the government allows we the people to do things, mm-hmm. and that's that just doesn't sit well um, with me personally. So. Totally agree. Um, <laughs> what's the the state of the legality around 3d printed guns, right? Talking about, you know, kind of the state's authority. Um, and you know, obviously I think a lot, some people may be familiar with Cody Wilson's experience, um, with defense distributed. Can you unpack that for, you know, the short story for people that aren't familiar and then talk briefly about, um, legal legality around all this? Yeah. So there's a lot of detail that I don't have on the Cody Wilson defense distributed situation. Um, on a very high level, he was sued by the DOJ, I think, one of the alphabet agencies, uh, around ITAR disclosure, which is International Trafficking in Arms. Basically, the argument was because you're putting this online, it's available – because you're a corporate interest putting this online, it's available to everyone in the world, and therefore you're exporting it, so you're violating ITAR because these are defense articles and they're national security, Patriot Act, blah, blah, blah. Um, At a a very high level, that was step one. Uh, They dropped their suits, and then a bunch of attorney generals from various states hopped on board and said, we're going to sue you now, so you can't release this stuff to to people in our state, Um, which I have... their justification was weird, and I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand the, the, the legalese they sprinkled in there. So I can't really say um, what, 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 what was going on on that end of things. Um, I believe they're still fighting that with, with several states. Uh, I don't know that that's come down to a, a resolution yet. Um, And then, so now we get into the, the legality of 3D printing a firearm, right? Is the same as the legality of making any firearm, even the 80% that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's you, the individual, making it for your own personal use, using equipment you own. And, you know, again, it's the, the, the operative term there is for your personal use. That's, that's, I, I think that's pretty close to the the direct quote from the law. Um, I'm not offhand certain I should have looked it up before we started, but uh, um, yeah, and, and that's it's it's literally one and the same. You're you're manufacturing firearm for personal use. Uh, the, what's getting so much press is that it's now suddenly easier. I don't know if you see behind me here. I'm printing another upper receiver for the FGC9, and I don't have to sit over a mill and like crank handles and whatever else, or program a CNC machine, um, you know, and I can do that on a $200 3D printer instead of a $10,000 CNC machine. Sorry, Yeah, so it, it's, it's gotten scary to politicians because it's suddenly really cheap. Suddenly everyone can do it in their home and no one has any idea. Mm-hmm. And how, like, 
how common is this? You know, I don't know if you're familiar with kind of like sales figures or I guess there's forums and a, a community that you're attached to with this. You know, how widespread is this community? Well, there's 10,000 of us in the community. And I would have ventured to guess another 10 or 20,000 who follow me off of the community. Um, so we're, we're, there's, you know, some market penetration there. Yeah. Um, we're not by far common yet because there were, there was a ruling, um, a, a case that came down where it says, you know, weapons in common usage are protected from the second amendment. So we're not common yet. I don't think, I don't think we'd pass that test, but, um, yeah, I mean, there, there certainly aren't few of us, <laughs> right. um, and- I, I can tell you every time I post a link on uh, on social media for like 3D printers off Amazon that are cheap, uh, they sell out pretty quick. So, mm. so people are obviously interested in this stuff, and I, yeah. I, I get I guess the main hurdle, like so many things, is the technical components. You know, I think there's probably a great deal of of demand for this level and type of independence, but it's the technical uh, aspects that uh, kind of fe- that that scare people. <laughs> yeah, it's uh technology has been the number one complaint about people getting into the space because we have like th- so for for decades there's been the traditional gun building community which is people in their garage with, you know, mills and power drills and whatever building guns out of sheet metal and I that's that's very technically difficult on you know it requires a lot of skill with those tools um and they're seeing this space crop up and they're starting to get more involved in it and say it's kind of cool uh but they're not computer people they're not they don't understand 3d printers they don't understand computers they don't understand the software that we're using so there's a lot of hesitation on that end getting into the space because just because they don't understand you know the first 10 things we're going to use the computer, the, the software and everything else. Yeah. What is so, And so like, what is the discourse on this stuff in other countries? Cause I, both from like the consumer level and the media level, cause you know, in the, the American media and Canadian media, I've seen, you know, it's usually what happens is the media or the reporter or whomever overstates kind of the level of the technology. You know, they, they kind of insinuate you just plug in a printer, you download the file and out pops a gun. Um, but of course there's, there's definitely uh, a fear around it. What's it like in other places of the world? I'm sure you're in contact with people all over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's media wise. It's about the same. Um, as far as the average person knows, it's about the same too. It's it, they, they imagine, um, I don't know if you played watchdogs at all the video game. Um, there, there's a, you, you can, you can 3d print a gun in the game and it's, it's exactly what the media portrays. It's you hit a button and out pops a gun and that's it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, so trying to explain to people that it's not actually that simple is uh, a little bit more, it, it's a bit of a struggle because they've just they've bought the initial lie of these things are everywhere and they're really easy to get. Uh, and a lot of it's that, that lie out of ignorance where the press doesn't actually know because they're not actually talking to anybody in the space. And, you know, when they do, it's often, we often get uh, a bad edit where, um, you know, their, their editor is cutting out 99% of the detail that we're trying to put into them so they get it right. 
and uh, you know, just going with what with the quick little sound bite that's that's catchy. So it's uh, it's it, it's a pretty constant problem. I'm, we're we're working on getting a better sort of press. Um, I, I'm talking to a couple of reporters now who are trying to do stories on this and I'm trying to get them to do it properly and show the detail and the technical hurdles required, um, to, to sort of understand what it is that we're doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a problem, but we're, we're getting there. We're, we're slowly making some progress. Do you have, and we touched on this a little bit already, but just, I guess in the midterm more so than the kind of the end game, but is, are there things on the horizon that, you know, could derail this movement? Uh, and do you have sort of ambitions for how this plays out? I mean, I think that really depends on how much people care, how much people in the community care. So there, there's the ever-present ban the law, ban, ban by law, which is, I mean, wildly unconstitutional in my opinion, but um, they could always write the law and pass it. Um but then it's just words on paper and how much those really mean to people. Um, again, not a lawyer, make your own judgment calls and do what you want to with that information. Um, but most of the people who are printing a gun overseas are already, you know, they're, they're already violating whatever local law they're, they're violating. So it doesn't really matter all that much to, uh, to the majority of us. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know that they could. There, there's no functional step that could be taken in order to prevent the growth of this. Because the, the, the gun's already out there. The idea's already out there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what could be done. And the printers being used, um, are they increasingly kind of multi-purpose uh, printers and millers, or are they becoming more specialized You know, for guns? And that could... That could be a snag somewhere down the line. No, we use uh, we use one of the cheapest um, entry level 3D printers, the the Ender three. Um, both of those behind me are Ender threes, by the way. Uh, they're 200, 250 bucks off of Amazon, shipped to your door in two days. They're yeah, most people who are buying printers, just generally speaking, are buying something around that around that level. So they're not at all specialized for what we're doing. Um, and any specialization that we would wind up requiring you probably just DIY or again, it's another 20 bucks off Amazon and no one's the wiser. It's also that you, you it, and it's, it's nothing specific to gun parts. There's material specific changes. So if you wanted to print a higher temperature stuff, you'd have to change the, the, the heating components on it. So it's, but it's nothing strictly for guns. So any regulation on that front would almost be impossible. Right. Now, maybe one exception, and tell me if I'm wrong, is obviously uh, Defense Distributed, they sell something called the Ghost Gunner, which is a milling machine, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that presumably is a specialized piece of equipment. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so the the way, like, the... I guess the only functional way a ban on things should work is if you did it in the commerce chain. So if you made it illegal to manufacture for sale uh, or buy or to buy or to sell. So those are the three methods in which a ban works. So uh, the government could come out and say, it's now illegal to manufacture, sell or buy a ghost gunner. 
at which point, um, you know, the, the sales wing of, of, uh, of defense distributed, which would have to shut down. Um, and everyone who currently owns it is sort of stuck with it. Um, why they, they'd have to come up with a legal argument to do that. And I don't know that one exists. Um, and are there other 3D like milling machines uh, that are kind of consumer grade that could <clears throat> fill the place of something like that? Were that to happen? I mean, yeah, I've got a, a four hundred dollar um, Grizzly uh, vertical or yeah vertical mill uh, in my garage. It was super cheap to get, super easy to set up, and uh, you know the only downside is I have to stand there and manually crank handles to get it to make parts. Um, so yeah, I mean, the there are other alternatives on the market, and they just require a little more or less work. Yeah, and would you is is it are both required? Is a three D printer and a miller required? Um, and let's say in a scenario where you can't get any formal gun parts, you know, online or something like that, you have to get get completely, you know, con- consumer grade non gun parts. Do you need both? All right, so we're we're essentially talking about the FGC nine, um, which was that sexy thing you put right, up before, the, the green and silver thing, um, which again, I mean, this is entirely three D printed, with the exception of a bolt and springs and pins and screws. Um, all of the other parts are mail order from China. But that was milled, and, right? When you say three D printed, that that looks like it was milled, was it? No, no, all all the housing here, everything in green and and silver here. Um, is all 3D printed. It's plastic? Yeah, this is all plastic. Oh, okay. It looks, it looks shiny to me. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's, it's my sexy press version of the <laughs> show the media. Um, but uh, the barrel, again, ECM rifle. So it, it's basically a, a, a benchtop power supply, and saltwater will give you the barrel that you need to do this. Um, so no, you know, maybe a hacksaw to cut it to length. Um, same with the bolt. It's, it's a hacksaw to, to cut it, to section it properly, um, a drill to put the firing pinhole through it, and then some weld. So you need just a cheap arc welder to finish the bolt. Um, and that's about it for that. So yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, no milling required. It's basic hand tools pretty much. Farmer Joe has everything you need to, to, to complete this. This seems pretty revolutionary to me because prior to seeing that image in preparation for this discussion, like I saw the, was it the liberator, that old plastic clunky one from back in the day? Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, hang, hang on one second. <laughs> there it is. So everybody knows the liberator right here. So entirely 3D printed with the exception of the firing pin, which I don't have installed. Right. Doesn't look that functional, really, right. or reliable, right? Right. And it's it's not, to be fair. I mean, you could get one shot, maybe two, maybe three, but it's going to explode sooner rather than later. Right. Whereas this one, I mean, we've got several hundred, probably a thousand uh, rounds out of uh, other models, um, I'm struggling to remember the actual number right now. And so what do you think the, or maybe you know precisely, the cost of 
producing uh, the sexy one. Right. So materials wise, we're talking about purchased components uh, under $100. Uh, tooling is probably going to be another 200 So your, your arc welder is going to be 50 to 100 bucks, uh, depending on where you're at. Um, hacksaw, screwdrivers, Allen keys, bolts, uh, things like that. And then 3D printer. So 500 bucks total to build 500 to build the first one and then another hundred for everyone after that ish. So like the, the plastic and parts would be, it would be about a hundred bucks per unit. Yeah. Yep. And when did this uh, design become a reality? Uh, we dropped this one in February. It's been in beta since I want to say November last year. So November to February, I think. I think I've got the timeline right. I mean, is this an exciting development? Because I think you know a lot of people would see this and think that they didn't realize the state of things where it was kind of this developed. Yeah, it's uh, it's slowly creeping around the internet. People are starting to figure it out. Um, again, there's not a lot of press out there yet. We're not. Uh, we didn't do a huge you know, press release with the, the, the media and reporters and all that to show them, Hey, this is this awesome thing we did. Uh, we're, we're, we, it was, again, everything was open source to the internet and, uh, people have slowly been putting, putting them together and, and coming back with, uh, media and pictures and everything else. And what was, you say, we, what was your role in this development? Like, are, do you contribute to the, software or do you just you you're one uh, of the I, people that put it together I, I i tried to help out in the beta and i just i ran out of time for it um this is the fgc9 is a so there was i i again i can't remember when so there's a guy guy named durwood years ago who released the ap9 and then uh jay stark got a hold of those files and decided to make a uh, so the AP9 mostly printed, still used actual firearm parts. So it was very much a U.S. based um, based construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he decided was to take that AP9, convert it to um, a, a, an entirely DIY spec, and refine it so that it was a lot more functional than it was in, the, in its release state. Um, they're a lot more reliable, I should say. Um, so that that's, the FGC-9 is 90% Jay Stark's um, uh, a brainchild there. And then the ECM barrel was from Ivan the Troll. He worked with uh, Jeff Rod to sort of refine that into a, 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 a completed package. And then they meshed the two together. And there's the FGC-9. Um, my role in this, like I tried to help out the beta and I just ran out of time. I'm wrapped up with work stuff and everything else. So I couldn't, I didn't have time to put everything together, uh, before it released. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot to, to do with the, uh, the project itself. And is this stuff accelerating now? Because the, I saw on, and maybe it's a good time to, to just break into what uh, distributed deterrence is all about. But I, uh, that photo I used came from that website on the poster, and that looked like a pretty sophisticated uh, build. Um, which I missed the uh, 
Uh, it's on Twitter. Uh, let me see. Oh yeah, that one. That's that's. I think that's a render. Oh uh, yeah, it kind of looks yeah. like it. But is that you know is that the next next stage of of this? Well, no, that's that's version one. That's what's what that's what was released. Okay. Of but of a different firearm than the one you just showed, right? No, that's the same. Oh, it's one. the same one. Okay, just yep. a bit a different uh, stock and some aesthetic differences. Is that yeah? Is that so le- legally speaking, so because I'm the, the sort of publicity person, I guess by de facto de facto publicity guy, um, I am. I, I have to stay compliant with U.S. law, mm-hmm. and in order to do that, this my FGC nine is currently a pistol. And if I were to print the stock that's shown in that picture and install it, it would then be an SBR, and then I have to pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp and all sorts of other stuff. So yeah, mine's a pistol, um, unfortunately. But if it had the stock, it would be a rifle classification. Yeah, it'd be, it'd, it'd be a short barrel rifle, which is classified under the nfa which is legal to own but i'd have to pay an extra tax and taxation is theft and so on <laughs> um and so what like what's coming up like what's the what's the next year look like for this i know you just shared a video on your twitter or your youtube recently of um some flashy sexy video from defense this dis- defense distributed i don't i don't really know what they're working on or what that video was about, but it was, it was a kind of a cool video. So what, like what's coming up in the next year industry wide? Uh, we've got, uh, the STR nine. Um, so I, hmm, I wonder if I can pull this off. So give me one second here. Yeah. Me. Come on. Cooperate. Okay. Uh, and then I want to, sorry, this is my, Hey, there we go. Okay. So see, uh, so here's one of the beta builds from the Mac 10. So this will be coming out. Uh, I, I hope this year, um, maybe late this year or sorry, Mac 11. So it's a nine millimeter. It takes the uh, Mac 11 upper. Um, we're working on getting uppers on the market. So don't go buy anything yet. Um, but again, it's, it's a, it's another cool little nine millimeter sub gun uh, esque build. Um, we really like nine millimeter sub guns. Um, the STR nine, which is a, it was designed to work around AR 22s. Um, but any non any, any uh, air upper air platform with a bolt that's captive in the upper receiver will work. Um, let's see here. We tried to get high point parts kits. Um, they've decided to not cooperate with us on those. Um, so we've got various parts for the high point that are being printed and, and developed. Um, but we're working on a another very, very cheap firearm alternative that's going to be uh, pretty simple to print. Um, so we're, we're working on some, some, some really cheap stuff for really cheap gun builds. Um, 
Let's see here. Here's another glamour shot of the SQR9, by the way. I think I saw an image of that uh, a while back. What, is that just a different handle on the same thing? Yeah, this is this is the pistol version. Right. Um, and I think that is... Oh, and then, of course, I can't... So the, the Mark II for the FGC9 was going to have the HK-style charging handle uh, system. What does that mean? And so it's this charging handle here. Um, you're, it's it's going to act like a like an MP5 charging handle. Um, so it's going to speaking gibberish to me right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, charging handle does what? It's it's how you cock the gun, how you load the first round. Okay. Um, so this right here. Hopefully, we won't get demonetized for this, but uh. So how how he's operating it there, mm -hmm. or how he was going to? I haven't seen this video. Sorry, I'm doing this on the fly. Yeah, all good, all good. But that's not the gun, right? You're just showing a charging handle. Right, it, it's going to be yeah. It's very similar in operation to that. Um, yeah. So uh, a little bit of a of a redesign, a little easier to to do. It's a quality of life improvement. Um, on this this firearm here, uh, I believe they're working on a Mark III and Mark IV improvements. I don't know what the change log is for those, so I will have to. I would say stay tuned, and <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see what they come up with. I, I, it's it's there's a lot of stuff being developed across the community. Um, let's see here. Looking at like my personal development stack, uh, I've got a mostly 3D printable spring machine, so it'll do um, 3D springs like your, you know, your your uh, your, your AR-15 hammer springs or things like that, complex springs. Um, you print the print the machine, hook up the electronics, and uh, load in the the, the file for whatever spring you were trying you, you want to print and you'll hit the button and it will spit out on the other end a spring bent to the spec that you're asking for um, so again th things like that they're not uh, super sexy uh, in terms of 3d printed guns but it's one of those needed things to start removing more and more of this from that you know from that the the space where it's easily regulated um, you know, when that, that buy sell sort of commerce space and in, into more and more of the, I'm just going to do this in my garage kind of space. What kind of a world do you think we get when everyone can easily print, uh, weapons in their garage? Um, I think it really depends on the people and whether or not the people understand, um, you know, the, the individual, uh, the, the, the individual responsibility and individual sort of liberty that's required to go along with it. Do you have fears that in the current landscape of how people behave in society that, you know, access to firearms could be, could be more negative than positive, I guess. I mean, there's some concern there, but I think as 
uh, firearms become more and more prevalent, it's going. We're going to see a change, a trend, and that people are going to start to understand a little better um, what these things are for and what they what what their actual function is. Mm-hmm. And do you ever get concerned about you know the hammer falling down on you as a result of being involved in this industry? I mean, some, but there's like you said, some some DA somewhere can always can. can decide to have me arrested for anything. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, three felonies a day. Uh, the, the premise is on average, the average American commits three felonies a day, right. whether they know it or not. Um, you know, there's 16,000 pages of federal regulation and law not regulation, federal law. Um, I mean, we're we're quickly we're quickly trending to the notion where the government is too big and has too many laws for anyone to keep track of any of them. So why do they matter? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's we're we're getting to the point where the law isn't worth the paper it's written on because it's entirely unenforceable. So, you know, we come back to that default sort of almost Ten Commandment state, and that's you know what else matters beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um. This is because I asked that question because it, it, it's a question that goes around a lot in the Bitcoin space as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, ultimately, uh, many of these technologies could certainly be construed as uh, subversive from the point of view of the, you know, the existing, uh, you know, power hierarchy in society. Um, is there much? I, I saw an interview with Cody, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, but, you know, he uh, was was talking about crypto anarchy and Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. I presume there's a lot of overlap uh, in the community or a lot of interest in the 3D gun printing community uh, with Bitcoin. Is that, am I correct in that assumption? Um, a little bit. So there is definitely a, uh, I want to say definitely a focus on, you know, monetary security and, I mean, for us, Bitcoin being a sort of almost an unseizable asset is uh, really of benefit to you know to, to us in this space. We're we're like we we saw the the Obama administration put I forget what their the the law was called, but they put something in place where it was it made. Um, it gave like banks and you know financial institutions the option to not do business with firearms uh, in, in the firearms industry explicitly because they were the firearms industry, um, you know, and it, they were classifying it as something related to like sex trafficking and identity theft, you know, like one of those heavy, high risk sort of industries for that that sort of activity, and it didn't make any sense. But that's uh, an argument for another day. So we we found ourselves even now like I I tried to set, I tried to sell patches and stickers on uh, a website months ago that preceded Control Pew, and uh, I got shut off by the credit card processor because well you're doing in, you're doing business in the gun space I'm like I'm selling patches and stickers there's nothing you know and then PayPal the other day shut, or probably a month ago now. Um, terminated my account. Oh, you're doing business. You're selling gun parts. I mean, no, I'm selling patches and stickers. Uh, so, 
I, I mean, it's it's one of those where we're we're under a lot of scrutiny, and people are and these traditional financial institutions are sort of get, dropping us, you know, at at the drop of the hat almost. So Bitcoin provide and you know cryptocurrencies like it provide a little bit more um, insulation from that sort of activity. It's you know we can't not be paid for something that way, or they our, our our money can't be suddenly gone one day mm-hmm. um, because the bank decided we were not, I, I don't know how, what you, they, they decided they weren't going to do business with, with us anymore. And then sure. they kept the money. Sure. So it, it's, it's one of those, that's, that's something we're looking at cryptocurrencies for. Um, another thing, it just, it, it helps the market move a little bit more. So, uh, I know there are a couple people who are doing business exclusively in Bitcoin um, just because they don't want to deal with like the fiat currency transfer fees and 2% to the credit card processor and 5% to someone else. Uh, and it just makes their life a little bit easier um, on the, the commerce side of things. So uh, they, we're, we're using it. It's gaining more uh, more penetration into the community. but probably less than half of our all are familiar with it, I would say. Yeah. Cause to my mind, they're so ideologically aligned, like so well. And as you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, uh, your, your PayPal account was censored because you were selling stickers, you know, and, and Bitcoin, one of Bitcoin's virtues is that it's permissionless and censorship resistant. And when you're doing things that even with the, the crazy thing is you weren't doing anything that you are not allowed to do, but the political climate, you know, the ideology of the social media platform or the payment process or the credit card company or the bank you're dealing with just decides, nah, we don't, we don't really want to, you know, support this person or, uh, you know, give them access to any resources. Um, And just like that, they can cut you off from your ability to make a living, your ability to transact with people, your ability to provide value to the market. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, It's absolute silliness. And so what uh, I'd be curious to know, is there any resistance in the 3D uh, community to Bitcoin? Like is the, vol- the volatility off-putting or is there like, are there certain attributes that are, have caused kind of a slower uptake for it? Well, it, I think it's a lot of it's the, the circular market. So I know um, th- there's a, a ongoing debate about uh, HODL versus, I don't know what the count, what, what the alternate uh, spend, sort of spend, I guess. Spend, okay, yeah. yeah. Hodl and spend. Um, part of the problem is there. There's not a lot of utility for us in the space. So it's you know you can buy certain parts, then you got to go buy other parts with with fiat currency, and then you're you know you're you're. Um, it, it's just yeah. There, there's but like you you can buy you know like uh, spooky rails that sells the rails that we use for the clock frames. Um, for Bitcoin, he only does business with Bitcoin, uh, and I'm not sure who outside of that is just strictly Bitcoin. But uh, like he he's got Bitcoin, but he can't use it for anything else. Like yeah. there's not for like he can't go he can't go buy groceries with Bitcoin, right? So there there's I mean, that, that's sort of the hesitation is like, well, I can buy for, for most people. They're like, well, I can buy these rails, but what else? Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, I think some people would be surprised at how usable it's becoming, you know, th mm -hmm. through different methods, you know, spending it at retailers or earning it by, sp by spending at retailers or using gift card uh, solutions. But I think, I think maybe the larger issue, because if you really want to spend it, you can figure out a way to spend it or you just, you know, you convert it and, and then spend it. I think the issue is a lot of people uh, don't want to spend it, you know, because mm -hmm. as you say, the, the HODL uh, faction is larger than the spend faction because people um, expect so much price appreciation. And right. I guess at, at a sa the same time, when the problems with the existing uh, financial rails, you know, become such that they're, you know, prohibitive, then, you know, Bitcoin hopefully will be there to, you know, to satisfy, to become a solution. But if I'm hearing you correctly, aside from, and, you know, getting your PayPal account shut down is, is pretty concerning. And I'm, I'm sure that's happening to a lot of people in the space. But until all other more uh, convenient or familiar or legacy methods are, are shut down, then maybe there's just not that much incentive to transact in a, in a Bitcoin economy with this, in this industry. Yeah, it's, it's, I think people have this strange idea where it's, they're going to be completely anonymous with it. And that's, Another, because then they start investigating it. They learn that they're not actually anonymous because they're trying to buy it through like a, uh, an exchange. And you got to verify who you are and all this other business. So there, there's there, there's several hangups there that uh, that people aren't quite getting over without some extra help. Um, and I think as as the the sort of the circular marketplace grows, as the uh, you know the the full commerce chain gets integrated into Bitcoin. Um, you'll see a lot more people hop on um, and, and start using it as a, as a more, more of a fiat replacement than a, a, an actual, like a, an investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to, and has to happen at some point, but I think, uh, yeah, I think the HODL faction has it right now. What's uh, I think uh, we, we might've glossed over this one. Is it distributed deterrence? Am I getting one of those words wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep track. So there's Defense Distributed, which is right. Cody Wilson's organization. There's Deterrence Dispensed, which is the more grassroots, That's green printed community yeah. for gun people. What's uh, what's that all about? Um, literally, it, it's just about that. It's it's we're we're heavily focused on 3D printed firearms, uh, DIY firearms. Um, they provide yeah. like files, you know, that are being open source files for three D printers and that kind of stuff. Yep. So we they have a, they host a repository on li library that's lbry.com. Um, all of the releases go up there, and I guess the main. So there's a couple other organizations that are are out there on the internet three D printing firearms. Ours is focused on uh, T and E. So we're, we're doing a lot of testing and evaluation of firearms that are out there. And when they are tested, we'll upload them. Um, so yeah, when, when we have verifiable proof that the model works as it's supposed to work, then it gets released. Mm -hmm. um, where there are some other things that are just, they, they're out there in the repository and they don't work. But this and, is the place where the community comes together and communicates, shares ideas, posts, or works on uh, file or yeah. post files to be worked on that kind of stuff. Yep. So our, 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 our primary hub is on Keybase. We're at, we're on the team, uh, debt underscore disc. That's D E T underscore D I S P. 
the team is open and anyone can join it. Cool. And I'll, I'll say this again for emphasis. The team is open and anyone can join it. Why, why did you want to emphasize that? <laughs> Be, uh, well, people, so QAS is encrypted and people assume encryption means that they're secure and they're anonymous and it's not what it means. Oh, I see what you're um, saying. Yeah. So we, I, I know for a fact we have feds in the chat and they, they watch what we're, what's being said in there. So if you come in and post a print, a picture of your 3D printed Odyssey, you're going to get raided because you're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the video that you posted uh, a couple days ago uh, about? Uh, was it a product launch from Defense Distributed? Uh, or I think it was on your YouTube channel. Like, oh, um, yeah, that was uh, it was archive video for the uh, the the reference model for the AR-15. It's a it's a full technical reference model, all the CAD for every part of the AR-15. Um, we got a hold of it and released it. Awesome. And that was, that, I think that was the first release under deterrent suspense. Um, so yeah, it, it was an old archive, uh, video from, uh, the, 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 the group that I needed to archive because I'm apparently, I'm, I'm the media guy. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the, the, the Goliad video that you also posted on your, uh, YouTube channel? Um, I'm not sure if it was just like a general uh, promo video for events distributed or if it was a product launch. But anyway, I mean, it's, I just thought it was an interesting video. If they probably pull it up, we can watch it if you want. Sure. <laughs> so you get that, that fun open broadcast studio running. <laughs> I really got to get into that. Oh, let's see here. Yeah. Do you know what it? Maybe before we show it, can we say like, is it? What is it? What's it about? Um, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the launch trailer for DefCAD. What's that? Um, so DefCAD is the. Uh, it's it's de uh, it's defense distributed's uh, sort of repository for all of the 3D printed stuff. Um, so I guess I can just, since I'm sharing this screen, uh, so yeah, DefCAD, um, all the models are up here, um, from us. They've got stuff from other parts of the internet. I know, uh, there, there's a lot of people who are contributing anonymous designs to this. Um, Well, let me view the library without logging in. Yes. Okay. So yeah, there's Swift links up here, suppressor baffles, milling jigs. And various. so these are all files that you can download, right? Yep. They're all files you can download. Uh, with DefCAD, they do have to verify who you are because it's they're, they're a corporate entity and they have to do that. They have to comply with the law as it's written currently. So they do have to know who you are. You do have, and they do that via, uh, uh, a Legio membership. Legio is deterrence uh, is a defense distributed's um, legal fund, so they fund the legal the legal fight that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you get a membership there. You come here, you can try and download, um, and then it'll ask you for a login, um, the login that you would have for your Legio account. 
and then you should be able to download the files. But yeah, all of the stuff relatively open to the public. Um, all the stuff also exists on the internet elsewhere. Um, you just have to look a little harder. So yeah. Did you uh, did you find the video I was talking about? Yeah, I did. Is my audio coming through? Yeah. Oh no, sorry, it's not. Oh well. Yeah, well, they they certainly seem to be putting out uh, slick videos lately. Yeah, they have. Uh, we have a lot of talented people in the community who are uh, <laughs> good at this kind of stuff. Um, so what have we what have we missed so far? Is there something uh, you know that we haven't touched on that's important for people to know about what's going on? I mean, not really. That's we we've pretty well covered the the full spread. I mean, we're 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 doing a lot. It's and and again, like anybody can come in and contribute and you know join the community and do whatever whatever they want to do. It's it's we're not. Um, we're not really structured in any way, shape, or form. So if, if there if there's uh, a, something that you want, if you want to, um, you know, build something or design something, design it by all means. Send it, join the team, send it in. Um, we'll we'll help you sort of organize testing and get it uh, get it released and, and everything else. But uh, yeah, do you guys do? Does anyone in the community like come at this from a Okay, we're producing, you know, a, a, a dangerous weapon that needs to be used responsibly. Do they come at it from like a how to, you know, educate, train people to to take that responsibility in the correct way? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like for for people that are obviously afraid that guns are going to be more widely available, is there anyone in the community creating content uh, around um, gun, you know, responsible gun use and ownership? Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those things like wh whenever we hear, we get told about responsible gun ownership and responsible gun usage, right? It's always in the context of, well, you don't need that because you're not going to be responsible. You don't need a, you don't need an AR-15 because responsible gun owners only hunt with shotguns or something mm -hmm. ridiculous. So I guess the notion that responsibility—it's we keep coming—it's it's more of an individual thing. So it's I, if you're going to make it, it's on you. The onus is on you of how you're going to use it, and you know the the responsibility of that is, is again back on the end user. So I don't know that I, I know there are trainers in the community, and I know there are. Um, Uh, <laughs> I, I know there are trainers in the community. I know there are people who are, you know, who, whose primary focus is that sort of beginner shooter. Uh, here's the first 10 things you do to get started with, with, with firearms ownership and shooting. Um, but a lot of that's so prevalent in the broader gun community that 
I don't know that the 3D printed gun community has any specific benefit for it. Mm-hmm. Like like when you saw the the Corona stuff, uh, you know the 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 first time buyers happening. Every YouTube channel put out, here's the first ten things you need to do as a new gun owner. Um, I don't know. It just seems more of a broad application of the gun community. I don't know that that's something the 3D printed gun community has put out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But I just think, and we touched on this right at the beginning, but totally believe that, you know, it's every person's right to defend themselves. But, you know, the state of affairs that we are in as a culture and society today, I, I think people need good guidance and instruction about how to take that responsibility in the, in the safest uh, way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I, I feel like it comes back to the individual though. So for, if you're, if, if you're, if you're going to do something, you should understand what you're doing with it and understand how to do that. And that's, that's going to require, I, I feel like that requires you to do research as an individual and sort of figure that out as opposed to me telling you, this is what you need to do. Yeah. So, you know, if it, it's about making that individual effort, that initial effort to discover, uh, you know, what needs to be done. Same with printing. Like we'll, we'll spell out, you know, here's to start and then, you know, you, but you have to put the effort to walk down that path. And when you get to the end of it, you have to make the decision on what's next. Right. So if you want to, if you want to own a gun and you want to to learn how to use it, how it operates and how to load and unload and whatever. And then you get to the end of that road and you say, okay, do I want to be a villain? Right. And go shoot up the neighborhood. Or do I want to be a peaceable individual and defend my home? Right. That, that's the decision at the end of that chain. So, you know, and, and I, I feel like that decision is on the individual. I feel like most of the individuals are generally good. And so they're going to say, okay, I'll be peaceful. But there's always going to be some who are going to say, you know, well, I'm going to do the other way. And yeah, we're, we're, we're trained to like the, should I write a law? Should I not write a law? You know, no law is going to stop that person at the end of that decision chain from turning you know, down the, down the villain road. So <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, I, I, I totally agree. And if, and if something has the ability to convey great benefit, you know, in, in the form of sovereignty and freedom as 3d guns do as Bitcoin does, then presumably it's going to inspire you or it should inspire you to learn as much as you can about it. And, you know, sovereignty has to be taken, it seems, you know, cause yep. otherwise, uh, you know, people are going to make it too easy to give it away and to form those dependent relationships. So I, I want know, to say not, not taken because that implies that you're forcing from, someone else to give it to you. You have right, to right. manifest it. Okay. Sure. I, I feel, I, that's, that's my favorite term is manifesting your sovereignty. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, or building it, you know, in the right. context of this, that's another one, but yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and people, and that's a process, you know, that's one of the big things in the Bitcoin space that's so uncomfortable for people is, when you like Bitcoin, a lot of people think Bitcoin is cool and sexy and they, they like a lot of the things that it stands for. But then when they realize that in order to use it, they actually have to take all the responsibility for, let's say, in this case, their wealth on them. Yep. It's not at the bank. It's not the bank's job to secure it. It's not FDIC that's going to pay you back if, if, if the bank goes bust or if somebody steals your credit card and, and spends your money. Visa calls you up and, you know, gives you back your money like it is all on you. And if you're going to take that responsibility, 
you know, you're going to have to take it seriously to do it properly. And I think it's the same thing with 3D guns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last thing, Control, that I, I do on these uh, discussions most of the time is a, a short word association. Are you down for that? Sure. So I'll say a By word and you, you tell me the first thing that pops into your mind. Democracy. Freedom. Government. <laughs> oh, I don't know that I could get away with that association. <laughs> <laughs> say not great. Human rights. Uh, the best. Violence. Necessary. Trump. Meh. Ego. Inflated. Wealth. Mm, fair. Privacy. Great. Hate speech. Mm, just speech. Gold. Meh. <laughs> Guns. <laughs> Uh, oh, I actually have to say a word, huh? Awesome. <laughs> Revolution. Uh, painful. Socialism. Helicopter. Family. The best. Inequality. Mm, I don't have a good, I don't have one for that. Hell. Uh, socialism. Liberty. Uh, freedom. Energy. Caffeine. <laughs> and Bitcoin. Uh, guns. Well, Control, uh, this was a really fascinating uh, discussion for me. It's something I've been wanting to touch on for a while, and uh, I'm really, really happy you took the time to uh, explain it to me and anybody that's listening. Can we get one more uh, shot of the – what's the name of the – back that uh, one again? The FGC9. Wow, that is slick. Yeah. Well, listen, man, uh, any last words before we, we sign off? Um, stay free. Boom. <laughs> Couldn't end it better myself, man. Uh, look, man, all the best. Uh, look forward to speaking in the future. Take care. Yep. See you later. Thanks. See you, brother.